just a second. He's going to share with us uh, about the Gideon ministry. And so you're going to kind of get a double dose this morning. You're going to get Jim for a few minutes, and then you'll get me for the rest of the time. Um, but it'll just be a few minutes, okay? Uh, I'll get you out in time to eat at some point. All right, if you will, church family, uh, let's make Brother Jim welcome this morning. Brother Jim, you come. Thank you, Brother Steve. Uh, I don't think uh, I have to say very much about Gideons in this church uh, because uh, one of my favorite Gideons of all time, Brother Harry Brewer, was a faithful and, and loving servant of this church for many, many years. And Brother Steve is now uh, in our camp as well. And it's a wonderful opportunity to be here today. And Brother Steve, we just thank you for this opportunity. Now, I'm going to start out today uh, with a pop quiz. Okay? Any teachers in here? You ever give pop quizzes? Okay. I always liked pop quizzes when I was in school. Well, it's a two-part pop quiz. And the first part is uh, there are two things in life that have eternal consequence. Two things. Okay? Anybody know what they are? Well, I'll go ahead and tell you. First thing is what you do with Jesus in your own personal life. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I took care of that first part uh, this Sunday night in May 1961 at Antioch Baptist Church in Southern Chris County. I spoke there last Sunday. Uh, and, but the second thing is what you do for Jesus in the life of others. And uh, you can usually tell what you have done for Jesus because there's a name that you are personally associated with that, that is tied to that thing. And so that's what I'm doing here today. I'm here for Jesus and for no other reason. And uh, I'd like to begin with, uh, uh, who'd like to hear a story? Anybody? Okay, yeah, here's, here's a good little story. Uh, a friend of mine did a service like this in southern uh, Mitchell County several years ago. And we met at another uh, rally like we have in America's a couple of weeks later, and he wanted to share with everybody an experience that he'd had at a church in Mitchell County. And he said after he got up and gave his shaky little talk that uh, and uh, there's a lady that stood up and said, Pastor, may I say something on behalf of the Gideons? And he said, yes. And she began with these words, my son was killed in Vietnam. And she went on to say that even though she had had him in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Any youth activity that came along, she made sure that he got to it, to do everything that he, she could to make sure that he was fully immersed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But she had never witnessed him make a personal decision for the Lord in all that time. He, uh, uh, after high school, went in the Army and was stationed in Vietnam. And, and uh, while he was there, uh, he was killed uh, in, in the battle. And uh, his mother received the news, and a couple weeks later, she received his personal effects. And as she was going through his things, you know, his, uh, his clothes and things, she was literally just reaching smell to see if she could you know, just have a reminder uh, of, of her son. And uh, she was just so distraught in this. And in the pocket of one of the blouses, now, ladies, uh, an official military shirt is called a blouse. I just want y'all to know that. But in the pocket of one of his jungle fatigue blouses, 
uh, she found something. It was a, it was a little one of these. And uh, if you look at this one, it's, it's in today's modern day version of the military testaments that we give out. But uh, nowadays we, we do them in uh, camouflage. It looks a little jazzier, and the guys more likely to take one. But in in that uh, little Bible there, it seemed to kind of have me spring loaded like this in the in the back section. In the back section, we've got a uh, GPS. Y'all know what a GPS is, don't you? It's that thing you know where you are, you know where you want to get to, and it tells you how to get there. Well, our GPS is called God's Plan of Salvation. So uh, anyway, it starts out with God loves you, all people are sinners, God has a remedy for our sin, and all may be saved now. And, you know, a lot of people, they don't, they don't know how to pray other than, you know, just to scream out, oh, God save me, you know, in a, in a drastic moment or something. But we have a section that says, my decision to receive Christ as my Savior. And beneath that, we have a place where they can write their name and put the date. And uh, our pastor down in Jacksonville, Florida, said, you better have a time and a place that you know that you receive the Lord, else you don't have a time and a place. So uh, in, in this particular little Bible she had, there written beneath that prayer confession, and to receive Christ, her son had written her name, his name. And below that, she'd put, he'd put the date, and the date was two weeks before he was killed. Now, I've explained how she had worked so hard all her life to make sure that her son could come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior. Now, mothers, you tell me, we buy these little Bibles by the case. They're $157 for a case of 100 now. Uh, but you tell me how much that little Bible is worth. You go try and buy it from her, and you can take all the money in the world, and you'll never be able to purchase that Bible from her. That's, that's how much it meant to her. And we see, hear her stories like this all the time. And uh, so uh, that's, that's what we do. We, you provide the funds to buy the Bibles. These aren't Gideon's funded Bibles. These are funded by the church. Now, we do give in what we call our faith fund, uh, to, to buy Bibles as well, but the preponderance of the funds that are, that are given given by the church. And so we come and give you this opportunity today to share in this ministry so that we can have more. Now, I'll tell you something. This is the first year in several years that we have been able to go into the public schools here in Tiff County and hand out Bibles. First time in many years. Uh, and so, you know, uh, we we got a, a a new guy and and that's leading our school system now and and uh, he's uh, he he knows the value of of having uh, God's word in our schools and this year I think it was 567 Bibles throughout the whole school system that and and we only had three children and and they were there were three little Hindu girls that were uh, in in a class that I was giving out Bibles to who did not take a copy of God's word and so. We're just so thankful for that. But you're all a part of this. Uh, this is a shared ministry between uh, the Gideons and, and uh, the local church. And so uh, we're going to have an offering today, and, and uh, we'll, we'll take those funds, and every, every penny of that will go to the purchase and distribution of God's Word. A lot of people see our names on Bibles and everything, they think we print them. Well, no, we don't. We, we buy every Bible that we hand out. And so that's... Uh, that, that's how this partnership works. And uh, today, I just ask you to think in your heart about what you would like to contribute. 
And uh, ask yourself, uh, if a family member that meant as much to you as this son did to his mama, how much will that Bible mean that goes to that person that you want to see somewhere in the world come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Pastor, thank you for, for this opportunity. And That's a scary thought, uh, Brother Jim. Uh, thank you. And uh, again, uh, I am grateful that uh, our, our church family is familiar with what uh, you guys do. And uh, there are not many things today that 100% of what you give actually goes to uh, what you want it to do. Um, uh, but you don't have to worry about that with uh, the Gideons. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. You know, God also gives us a promise about his word. He says that this world's going to pass away, you know, uh, the grass is going to wither and the flower's going to fade, but his word will endure forever. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're judged by it, uh, as the saved, we're judged in Christ, but uh, one day the Lord will, will separate those who know Christ from those who don't. And what will condemn those who don't know Jesus will be his word. Uh, the Bible even says that angels will be judged by his word. Pretty important uh, Thing you might say. Uh, so uh, we're grateful to uh, invest in that. And at the end of uh, that, better, Jonathan. I wasn't wired. So anyway, uh, but we we invest in that ministry, and you'll have an opportunity when we leave today uh, to make an offering to uh, uh, the Gideon's International Ministry. So, Brother Jim, thank you. Glad that you're here this morning. Thank God for what you do. I want you to take your Bible this morning and find the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Miss Norma. I did not know that. Thank you. Revelation, chapter 1. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we honor... Uh, the reading of the word, and I'm going to just read one passage of scripture, and then you can have a seat for a few moments. And we're going to begin here in verse 19. Revelation 1, verse 19, says this. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Father, we are grateful this morning that, Lord, we are not left in this world without direction, without that GPS, Lord. We know where we are. And this morning, as we think and ponder the question, what time is it? What time is it this morning? Lord, we believe you've given us clues. You've revealed things to us in your word so that we would not be without hope. We don't have to be afraid. God, we can stand firm in the word of God knowing that, Lord, uh, you have all things, uh, Lord, under control and we are moving in accordance, Lord, with your timeline, Father. Help us to be faithful uh, in the world and in the culture in which we live today. And God, we're grateful for the saints that have gone before us and those that are enduring immense persecution even today. 
Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for their witness and their testimony. And Lord, may it encourage us today, just as we will see from the pages of Revelation 1 this morning, to be faithful in what you've entrusted unto us until you're appearing. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, as we look into the uh, book of Revelation, and I know uh, we've been uh, in different passages of it, but I kind of felt the need to go back and uh, revisit this um, with the purpose of asking this question, what time is it? What time is it? And this morning, I believe, first and foremost, that when we ask that question, it is a time to be faithful. It is a time to be faithful. And I don't know of a better example of that faith in Scripture, apart from the life of Jesus, obviously. But the Apostle John is a life of not just faith, but one of, of passion and zeal and fearlessness uh, for the Lord Jesus. And so I want us to look at this first chapter as it kind of lays things out for uh, the remaining 21 chapters in this uh, book. And again, John tells us about things in which he had seen. He tells us about things that are in the past. And then he tells us about things in, that are in his present uh, time that are in our past also. And that these things are focusing on what is going to happen in the future. So when John writes this letter, and this letter is going to be circulated among seven specific churches uh, in the known world, the Bible calls it Minor Asia or Asia Minor. And uh, we know that as a modern day Turkey today, if you're looking on a world map. But these seven specific churches represent seven types of churches, and they also represent seven church ages. Now, God, is, God gave us in His Word what the future church ages will look like before they had ever lived the day of it. Because God sees what we can't see, right? God is an eternal in nature and He sees a beginning that had no beginning and an end that has no end. Just let that sink into your finite mind this morning. And you say, well, I don't understand that. You know what? I don't either. Join the club, right? Don't have to. So grateful this morning, I don't have to understand eternity to get on the goodness, in on the goodness of it. Like the, like the song this morning, whosoever... Surely meaneth me. Whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What great news this morning to those who not only know the Lord, but those who need the Lord. So it is a time to be faithful. Well, beginning in verse 1 of Revelation there, it begins this way. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. I want to stop right there. A lot of people read this and they say, well, uh, if you're of the, the mindset of this uh, premillennial dispensation, the Lord said these things would take place shortly, and so that can't be true. Well, let's, let's pump the brakes on that for just a moment. That's like, that's like we say today. We might want to just touch the brakes a minute. First of all, can you, imagine to get, can you imagine getting Baptists to do anything that you didn't tell them it was shortly fixing to happen? Just think about that for a minute. Too many times it's the first Baptist church of procrastination. <laughs> we, 
We, we don't move until we know there. it's come down to this. No, I can, I can imagine that the Lord wanted the people of God to understand the need to be on mission for God right now. Because every day people die without Jesus. And God's called His church to be a faithful witness of that gospel. But second of all, there's... From an interpretation standpoint, the, Peter said it best. He said that a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day with the Lord. Meaning this, to an eternal God, time means nothing to Him. Because He's the creator of time. We're so focused on time, aren't we? Many of you are wondering, He's just getting started. But fear not, fear not. These things too shall come to pass. No, the the interpretation is that with the Lord, He has His timeline. We are not in control. But understand that in the concept of, of, of history and how God has things mapped out, these things upside eternity will happen in a relatively short amount of time. But I want to zero in for a moment about the faithfulness of John here because he says, He sent and signified it by an angel to his servant John who bore witness word of God to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw and blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near John to the seven churches which are in Asia grace to you peace from him who is who is who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. John tells us something there in those first few passages of Scripture, that he was someone who had an eyewitness account of the life, the ministry, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to understand something about John. When I think about the faithfulness of John, I think about his faithfulness to run the race that God had put before him. And when we talk about the Christian race and the, uh, the running of that race that God has before us, we need to understand God's not talking about a 40-yard dash here. He's not talking about a sprint. He's talking about a marathon. Because, see, when you get saved and you're justified before a holy God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, that process of discipleship and sanctification begins. And it is indeed a process. And it takes a life of living and loving and serving Jesus and the ups and the downs and the ebb and flows of life, of of when we experience God and, and heartache and despair and and joy and all the emotions of life, we experience them through the lens of this Christian worldview uh, that God uh, has given to us in the power of the Spirit of God living within us. And here's John. Here's John. He's around 80 or 85 years old. And where is he at? Well, he tells us in verse 9 that he is out on an island in the middle of the Aegean Sea an island known as Patmos. Now this is not a uh, resort island. I know sometimes when we think about an island, we see some beautiful place down in the Caribbean and it's just surrounded by beautiful blue turquoise water and it's a, it's a place of vacation. And this is not that island. 
uh, Patmos is an island where Domitian sends uh, prisoners uh, to work off time. And, uh, and in this case, uh, Domitian, which is an evil emperor of Rome, persecuting the church in, in ways that we cannot imagine, uh, said that he would completely destroy the church. He exiles this old man because he's preaching the word of God. He exiles him to an island out in the middle of the sea so that in his mind he will have no effect on anybody. There's just one problem with Domitian. He, may, he, he majorly underestimates the power of an eternal God. See, the reality is, I don't know if, if John ever got off the island of Patmos, but you know what I do know got off the island of Patmos? The letter of Revelation. <laughs> That's what I do know got off the island. But here's John, 80, 85 years old, and he's faithful. You know when he lays his head down at night in some cave, you know what his pillow is? A rock, a stone. And on this island, there's this little shrub that grows and it gets about ankle high and it's filled with thorns. So you can just imagine as you walk and you make your way around on this island, the constant nagging and the reality that's always going to shock you into the understanding that you are here not for your pleasure, but you're here to be tormented because of your faithfulness to God. I think about John and I think about these things that surrounding his life and I have to ask my que- myself the question sometimes what's my excuse for today? Doesn't John take away your excuses this morning? That is, and, and what, a, what a blessing in understanding this today that if you're here this morning we have the assurance of God He ain't through with you yet. He's not. And we know that because you're still here. Here's John and notice this about his life. John's been a faithful follower of Jesus for a very, very long time. When the Lord called John out, uh, along with his brother James, way back there in in Mark chapter 1, understand that John was around 14 years old at that time. And and John, with this uh, faithfulness, that's fearless in nature, the day that Jesus was crucified, when all the others had abandoned Him, here's this 17-year-old disciple that Jesus says, the beloved disciple, the one that was always near Jesus, He's at that cross that day. Fearless faith. Faithfulness. John tells us that that he bore witness to the word that he was called at a young age. And wherever he went, wherever Jesus was, John wasn't far behind. He was leaning on the bosom of Christ. He was always near the Lord. He was known as the beloved disciple because it was evident that he loved the Lord Jesus. What a faithful life. He was faithful to the race. He had fearless faith. Standing with Christ at the cross. And he was faithful in the task that God gave him at the time. We worry sometimes about what you've called me to do, Lord, seems so trivial. So what? So what? Do you realize that whatever it is that God's called you today, no matter whether you think it's big or small, that's not important. 
What is important is that we would be faithful to that call of God on our life. That is which we will have, as Brother Jim said, there is eternal consequences to the life that you are now living for the glory of God. No matter how small and trivial you think it is, it is not trivial to God or He wouldn't have given it to you. You are a part of the process and you've been entrusted with the stewardship of something. Do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. John, as he was there at the cross, as others left, John would be given the task. And there in John chapter 19, Jesus looks at his mother, uh, Mary, his earthly mother, and he says to John, he says, John, behold your mother. In other words, Jesus told John, I want you to make sure that my earthly mother her needs, and that she's always taken care of. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible did not say that John thought about what the Lord said and said, God, I'm going to get back with you on that when I think about it long enough and figure it out that it's the will of God. No, he didn't say that. Because he understood that as he looked into those eyes of the Lord as he was hanging on that cross that day, dying for not only his sin but the sins of the world, he, he realized that this is my task right now. And the Bible says that Mary moved in and lived in the home of John from that moment on. A lot of time passes. A lot of time. Paul's called into the ministry. He writes most of our New Testament today. Peter Comes, to know, comes back in repentance and the Lord gives him the commandment to uh, teach his sheep, to love his sheep, to disciple his sheep. And, and Peter gets a chance and Peter's one of those prolific preachers in the early church preaching the sermons. John doesn't write a single gospel. John doesn't write a single epistle to many, many decades later. And at the time that John is writing Revelation, he's an old man. Paul's gone. The disciples that, that he knew and, and that he fellowshiped with, they're all gone. And here's John, this final chapter in his life to be faithful to handle the, the stewardship of, of the Revelation, a, a letter that would be circulated among those churches that we have today that promises you and I a blessing if we will read it and we will adhere to the teachings in it. What, what an amazing, what an amazing opportunity that John had. There's something else about John here too. The Bible tells us here in verse 9, it says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, not the tribulation to come, not the great tribulation, not the wrath of the Lamb, but the reality here that under Domitian and under Nero before him, there was great persecution happening in the church. You see that throughout history in the church ages that God will reveal. These things will happen. And they happen. Because God truly what's going on. But he said, I'm your companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 10. 
He was faithful to run the race, fearless in his faith, and he was faithful in his worship. Notice what it says. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Here is John. Now, if you want to come up with a reason why you couldn't be uh, on the Lord's day in the Spirit, John probably had a few excuses. I don't know, probably laying around on a bunch of rocks in a cave probably doesn't do your posture and your back any favors. And I can imagine that as as he rested his head on uh, that that pillow that was stone, uh, he probably had the old crink in the neck when he got up in the morning. But there's something about John. He understood what day it was. It was Sunday. And it wasn't just any other day. It was Sunday. It was the Lord's day. It was a day that specifically the New Testament would change the day that God's people would worship the Lord. We we would no longer worship the Lord on the seventh day, Saturday, but now we would worship the Lord on the first day of the week because it was on the first day of the week that the Lord came out of the grave. And John on that day says, despite the tribulation, it was Sunday, and he made a choice to be in the Spirit. You know, the Bible says that that you worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Not just willy-nilly, hey, uh, I feel obligated to do this, but no, in the Spirit, prayed up. And that an old man exiled out in the middle of nowhere believed that on the Lord's day it was still worth in the spirit and in the power of God going to the throne of grace and declaring that he is the king of glory. He was in the spirit. So we see the faithfulness of the servant of God here. That in his old age he had not given up He had not packed it in. He had not retired. But he was ready to hear from God. And God did not disappoint. God gave John an amazing letter that outlines things that we can look through history now and we can just see things coming true so that we'll know what time it is. There's something else it says. Not only does it talk about the faithfulness of John, but it also talks about the faithfulness of the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 12. John says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Now, get get the vision. John looks to see where the voice is coming from, and he sees the Son of God. And he sees him differently than the last time that he saw him. You understand, the last time, you know, vividly in the mind, it wasn't the last time, but vividly in the mind of John, he remembers Jesus on the cross. He remembers Jesus as he was teaching there before he would ascend into heaven. But now he sees him in a different way. He sees Him in all of the majestic glory, not as the Son of Man in the sense that He's earthly or that He's fleshly, but that He is God. 
that he is gloriously here uh, uh, pictured in a way that identifies with his kingship. He's dressed in a robe. It's girded with a golden band. There's no mistake here that this is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he mentions that he's in the midst of seven golden lampstands. Well, what is a lampstand? A lampstand is something that you would place uh, uh, to give light into a room, right? The lampstand is the church. And here's Jesus walking in the midst of the church. Now, in particular, he sees seven of them. Uh, it's, it's a picture of those seven churches this letter is going to go to. And it's got Jesus in the middle of it. Uh, in verse 14, it describes Jesus as having a head of hair that white as wool and white as snow and his eyes like a flame of fire. Uh, a reference, if you will, to the ancient of days, to the wisdom of God. You, our culture is somewhat different, but in cultures historically, those who led the people were always the elders because they knew more. In the words of my father-in-law, they, they just ate a lot more chicken than everybody else. And they learned a few things. They'd been around. They'd seen some things. And so they were the elders. They were those who led because they had the wisdom. And in the Bible we understand that the white hair is a picture of the wisdom. And that, that Jesus is described this way as that he knows everything. There's not anything that he doesn't know. There's not anything that's impossible with God. He's the ancient of days and the, and the eyes of fire, fire, flame, uh, eyes of judgment. He mentions that he has feet of brass and, and brass is really symbolic of that judgment. And brass is also symbolic of the nature of the God-man, that he's fully God and that he's fully man. And he is in the midst of the golden lampstands. That he was in the midst of those churches. That God is in the midst of this church today. That God is in the midst of every church where two or three are gathered in my name. In the midst of them I will be. A promise we have from Scripture. A promise that we have of God that in the midst of, of even those churches the Laodicean church even, that he was in the midst, that he was asking, calling for, begging for them to repent because the Lord said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Not only is he described in that way and we see the faithfulness of God to stick it out. <laughs> that God is faithful even when we're not. God is faithful even when his church is not. He's in the midst of the lampstands. And it says that he had in his right hand seven stars and that out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and that his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. A reference then again to the power of the Word of God. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets through the, the presuppositions and the opinions, oh, the mighty opinions of the world today. As we describe and we try to redefine all of life, we, we, we want to redefine everything and make it, uh, make it kosher and kosher, uh, uh, comfortable to the people of God, uh, to the people of the world in which we live in today. But God is the one who defines reality. God is the one who defines uh, nature and the laws of nature that we have today. Folks, gravity will always be gravity. It doesn't matter. 
You leave a plane without a parachute and you're going to splat, brother. You do stupid things and you'll reap the consequences of dumb decisions. Like the person who said, my friend, I believe I could step out in the middle of rush hour traffic and, and, and if it wasn't my time, I wouldn't die. And the pastor looked at me and said, brother, if you step out in the middle of traffic at rush hour, it's your time to go. Oh, but all the mighty and lofty opinions today of the elite educated as we seek to redefine what a family is, what a marriage is, what a border is, what a gender is. My friend, God has explained in His Word and it cuts through all of the nonsense today and gets right down to the heart of the matter. God's not persuaded by our stupid antidotes. And they are that. They are stupid. He holds the messengers in his right hand. Messengers, angels, uh, uh, pastors, if you will, of those churches. Pastors of those churches. I want to tell you, uh, sometimes ministry can be discouraging wherever God's called you. Uh, I, I always tell people that are in the ministry, uh, uh, you know, remind yourself of what David said uh, with, where he said that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because sometimes in the ministry you're going to find that to be really true. You encourage yourself in the Lord because maybe nobody else is encouraging you. But here's what I know from Scripture as a pastor in the church today. God has me in His right hand. And it's a place of position. It's a place of security. It's a place of power and favor with God. I don't have to fear. And those of you who are faithful serving Him today, you don't have to fear either. Because of the faithfulness of God. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, oh God my Father. There is no shadow, no turning with thee. You change not. Your compassions, they never fail, Lord. And as you have been, Father, you will always be. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God, what, what a powerful uh, word from that hymn about the faithfulness of God. John was faithful because he knew his Lord was faithful. And the time is to be faithful. Now is the time to be faithful. God works through the availability of people. Forget, forget your talent. Forget all of this stuff. Be available and God will use you in a mighty way. Be faithful to do that. Forget about whether anybody knows about it or not. Just be faithful. Faithful to His Word. Faithful to the call of God on your life. It is having eternal consequence whether you believe it or not. Be faithful. Let me close with this. Many of you may have heard of Norm Geisler. Uh, he passed away in 2019. He is uh, an American systematic theologian, wrote a number of, of, of books about apologetics and defending the faith, uh, wrote a book about, uh, you know, how you don't, you don't have enough faith. Uh, he didn't have enough faith to be an atheist, you know. Very, uh, very critical uh, uh, a defender of the faith. What you may not know about him, and I didn't re realize this about him, is that as a teenager, Norm Geisler was invited to vacation Bible school. And so he went. And he enjoyed it. 
And he come not only through Vacation Bible School, but when Sunday rolled around, he came back on that Sunday, and for the next 400 Sundays, he would go to that church. And as a senior in high school on that 400th Sunday, he came to know the Lord as his Savior. Think about the impact. Think about hundreds or even thousands of people that have been influenced and maybe won to Christ because of the, of the life, the, the, the ministry that God gave Norm Geisler. But I got something that's even better than the faith and the ministry of Norm Geisler. What you don't know, and I have no idea, I don't have any idea of the name of the man that drove the bus that picked him up for 400 consecutive Sundays. Wow. Not a thing is written about him other than somebody had to drive the bus because we've got one and it doesn't drive itself. What if on the 395th Sunday he said, man, you know, I love Norm, but my gosh, man, I've been picking him up for the last four years and certainly one Sunday won't hurt. Man. There's nothing trivial with the Lord. Nothing. Nothing small you're doing for His kingdom, folks. Not a thing. Be faithful. Be faithful. You never know. You never know what you're doing right now. You have no idea of the impact that it will have in eternity. Only this, that it will indeed have an impact in eternity. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Give us great faith, Lord. Help us to not just be committed, but to be surrendered, Lord. And I'm grateful this morning that, Father, if we don't know you, today is the day and now's the appointed time. And in a moment as we stand and we sing, I surrender all, Lord, it's just that. I, I, lay, I surrender. God, I give up and I place my life in your hands. God, give us the strength this morning to ask in faith to call on the name of the Lord and you tell us that you will be saved. Have your way and your will in every heart today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand this morning.